Welcome to Living Abroadcast, the podcast about where people are from, how they got here, and what they're doing now. My name's Eric. My name's James. I'm Mikey. And we've decided to do this podcast together. If you're listening at this stage, let's be honest, you've probably heard one of us talk about it, uh, maybe inebriated. And uh, basically how we've um, all met each other is through what we do for work. Um, We meet a lot of people from all around the world. And the premise of the podcast is essentially a deep dive into a bit of a trend we've noticed in Vancouver, which is people from coming from all around the world, places such as... UK. Australia. And giving up their lives back home and going through the entire process of living here in Vancouver. And you'd think that wouldn't be the most common thing that would happen, but it is an overwhelmingly popular trend here that... 20-somethings are coming here, sometimes just on a vacation, sometimes on a working visa, and deciding to give up their entire lives back home to become citizens of this great country. And I happen to know these guys' backstories um, that we'll go into a little bit later and, uh, yeah, explore some of that. So um, we're really excited to do this. We don't quite know exactly what it's going to be yet, but this episode we're going to just explain what we want the podcast to be, some hopeful ideas, and again, we apologize if the audio quality is a little off this time. We're still trying to get our equipment set up right. So, uh... We're poor Vancouverites. We can't afford a proper system. <laughs> <laughs> no, exactly. And that's, that's well, going to be it. Going back to that young people moving here thing, I did a bit of research before this, unlike you guys. Because I actually care. I'm a a professional. But this is looking at people from 20 to 34. So, James, you want to include in this? Yeah, too much time on your hands, mate. Um, But they found that more young people are moving here than moving away, even though, obviously, in Vancouver, you might not know, we have a huge property crisis. People say it's almost unlivable how expensive it is. But despite that, more and more people in that age bracket are moving here and we're just a, an example of that. I also found out that one in five Canadians aren't actually born in Canada, which kind of blows my mind. But then I think of all my friends and then it kind of starts to make sense. And That's the kind statistic of start to I'm realize. literally just learning right now. And well, I've got it off a yeah, very good um, reputable source called what Google. Um, so, I mean, it must be right. It's yeah, what was, not scholarly reviewed. What was the age group there again, Mikey? 20 to 34. Yeah, so oh, okay. James is not included. Well, you know, the 32-year-old sat right here. <laughs> Might still be just about in there, just, just saying. And I thought, because it is such a great name for a podcast, Living a Broadcast, I thought we should look up the definition of what abroad means. Sure. It means you're in or to a foreign country or countries. Now, that brings up the elephant in the room, Eric. It sounds like well, you yeah, have a Canadian know. accent. What are you talking about? <laughs> What's going on there, mate? What's going on? I'm not, now, you did you did come up with the idea for the podcast. Yeah, and it was probably so, about punk So tell us your story. How did you get to Vancouver? So I grew up in a little city uh, called Kelowna, British Columbia. So I'm not even from a different province. I just moved to another city. But uh, Kelowna, it's a little city in the heart of the Okanagan Valley. It's grown from about 90,000 to 120,000 people over my life. Um, There's a wine tourism and premium real estate industry there that's booming and not a whole lot else. So that brought me to Vancouver in 2015 for uh, broadcast journalism school. So job opportunity, well, education. Education. But why did you choose Vancouver rather than, I mean, you could have easily gone to Calgary or even Toronto further? That's where the schooling was, and it's a city I've always been fascinated by. I mean, it's not a city I was unfamiliar with when I officially moved here. I'd been here several times throughout my life. True. Um, True. Coming here with my family and going on vacations. There's a picture of me in Stanley Park when I'm four four years old. Yes. And... um, what kept me in the city was the tourism industry, which we uh, we all kind of have our hands in as well. But mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. yeah, the tourism industry is really what made me fall in love with the city, and has uh, kept me here over the years. 
Well, you know what? I'm going to let you off the hook here. Because okay. there's a second definition for what a broad means. And it says, in different directions over a wide area. So I'm pretty sure yeah. there's a wide area between Kelowna and Vancouver. It's a 400-kilometer drive. Is that the yep. threshold for a yep, wide area? Yeah, that's the threshold. That Sweet. is just the threshold. So you just okay. got in, mate. Cool. You qualify to be on the podcast. Congratulations. <laughs> Fuck yeah. <laughs> and he's on point. You know, they're living a broadcast. He's saying broadcast journalism. So we're going to... Uh, yeah, it's right in the title of the podcast, yeah. Living a Broadcast. It's so, genius, uh, genius isn't yeah. it? Yeah. It's a nice yeah. little loophole I created to yeah. hang out with my friends on a microphone. Yeah, well, nice let's stuff. be honest. It's, it's an excuse to drink some beers and probably um, almost air our grievances. Not air our, well, No, I mean, most things about living abroad are all positive. Yes. Or else we wouldn't be doing it. No. But and there, there are so many some other negatives, people. and yeah. it is important to air some grievances, and maybe our listeners will agree. Well, yeah, I, must, uh, I must say to the listeners, first of all, we're looking out on a lovely Monday evening in Vancouver here. We're looking at the mountains. We're facing the lions. We've got Grouse Mountain right there with a turbine on top. Unbelievable. These are all things yeah. you can all totally see, by the way. Um, these the are all, yeah, you, you know. Well, I'm James, saying, he's doing a good job at I'm describing. trying to paint the picture for you folks, but uh, for us now, this is it. We've got some grievances to wear that are not really with us in, the, in this five, six-year journey. For me and Mikey, we've been out here a little while. Not together, not in that way. Uh, but we're here now very very much together uh, so, but uh, yeah yeah because are. I mean I have my little story about how I've been uh, entrenched in the Vancouver community but you two have actually both been here longer than I have mm-hmm. oh, yeah. and uh, you two both have very we're actual Vancouverites actual yeah. Vancouverites yeah. Yes. <laughs> what defines that um, did you have an avocado this morning did yeah. you smash it on toast yeah smashed it do you got a craft you- beer in your hand right now I did a Do you have ago. a CD player or a vinyl record player? Uh, what's a CD player? Actually, these are all East Vancouver. Yeah, things, and right? more. Vancouver yeah, things. not really. Vancouver. Wait, do you have a substantial savings? No, uh, you're definitely a Vancouver. <laughs> yeah. Definitely a Vancouver. Are we just We're doing a... Jeff Foxworthy? <laughs> you know you're a Vancouver, right? <laughs> <laughs> Something like that. All right, Jimmy boy, yep. hit us with your um, your story. How did you get here, mate? So we're talking, I'll take you back to 2012 here, uh, December, just finished up university, just put a bit of money away. I knew Vancouver and Canada were where I wanted to come down to. 2013 was that time, and it was really a melting pot here of everything I'd kind of discovered along the way since about 2006. Again, showing the age, guys, as uh, they have got a feeling this is going to be a theme along the way. Yeah, came here as an old man. And uh, yeah, I'm 26 years old in uh, 2012. Came out here and uh, nice transition from Iceland to Seattle to Vancouver. And Vancouver being the tourism epicenter here in British Columbia, being the outdoor recreation capital, it was just a nice, natural, easy transition for me from from Australia, as we got Mikey here. Um, Australia, a year out there, uh, decided Canada would be the one to come and check out and ticks all the boxes for me. Classic so, Australia, not meeting the cut. Yeah, I just didn't make it, man. I'll ignore that. So where from the <laughs> where from the UK are you actually from? Though? Like a big city or countryside? What do we talk? So I'm from a little country slash seaside town. It's called Canterbury, southeast of England. And for me, just I was, sounds uh, fancy. It does sound a little sounds fancy. Yeah, we, we fancy. take you back to the medieval times, guys. We've got castles like, left, right, and centre. That's like everywhere in England. They all yeah. sound really fancier than they actually are. Does not narrow it down. Uh, no. I beg to differ. Have you ever heard like the Cockney accent? They are not fancy. Yeah, that's why I'll talk to my dad about that one. He's, uh, he's straight in there. He's a Brexit believer. And, uh, so, you know, we don't get on that. We'll keep, off, we'll keep off the politics. Yeah, yeah, yeah. a little bit politics, yeah. the politics and, uh, you we'll, know, don't want to talk we'll about uh, daddy issues. So. <laughs> uh, that, that's a bit of a rabbit hole. But that's anyway, yeah, yeah, so that's a whole new episode waiting to happen. Uh, so but yes, go ahead. What was, so in one description, one sentence, the selling point of Vancouver? For me, nature. Simple. Nature. It's the nature for me. Perfect. Yeah. Perfect. Um, That's another big thing we're going to talk about in the show. Yeah. The way everyone is people selling points on this big, crazy, chaotic city we choose to live in. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it is clearly going to be based around Vancouver because that's what we all have experience in. But in general, we will talk about living abroad in all sorts yeah. of other places. So it's yeah. the nature that brought you here, James. So when you got off a plane, you 
took off your shirt and yeah. went full bush man and lived in a forest for three years. Straight away. Understanding, right? Instantly. Yeah, that was it for me. Uh, but yeah, I mean, that question as well, black and white, is it what brought me to Vancouver? It's a twisty, turny tale that I feel like it's going to get a little, you know, uh, fleshed out along the way. It's, uh, it's not one or two things that brought me here, but nature is, uh, say I'm a big mountain biker, a big lover of the outdoors. Uh, Canada, I came when I was 14 years old. I actually went to Quebec, first of all. Which right now is the only province I'm not a permanent resident of. So Quebec's where it all started. Mm-hmm. Right now, mm-hmm. I couldn't even go and work there. So, uh, but I had that feel. Is that true? Yeah. It's even when you're true. a permanent resident. Yeah, I became a permanent resident over the moon, and uh, yeah, you still can't go back to Quebec. So the place that made me fall in love I'm with Canada. I'm not welcome. I'm cast out. Yeah. <laughs> so just like back at home, the French just reject you straight away. Yeah. Yeah. And as uh, soon as you're English, you get rejected by yeah. the French. No That's how it goes. I'm used to it this uh, this time. You know how you know. <laughs> How up there I'm getting guys uh, you know an older gentleman it's uh, just a normal thing in life the English are just well you've seen what's happening back in England again we're staying away from politics but we're going back to 2013 here guys this is how it all started for me and yeah it's really just a small snowball rolling down the hill much like up a grouse but that brings us on to Mikey who hadn't seen snow in his life presumably till Vancouver is that true not not proper snow uh, bits bits and pieces um But I've got a story that I thought was rather unique, but the more people I meet here, the more I realise that it's the main way that people end up living here and that you kind of just get... You you visit and you just get trapped and you just stay here. And before long, you've been here for five years. So I'm from Perth, which is on the west coast of Australia, and it's regarded as one of the most isolated capital cities in the world. So I think Perth people, by nature, we have a bit of a exploration gene in our body, wanting to get out of such an isolated place. But uh, I came out of a, of a long relationship. I was getting sick of my work. And I decided to move to London in the UK. Mm. Now, you wouldn't believe this. I tell this story to a lot of people, and I say, oh, I was going to move to London and Canadians are like, oh, London, Ontario? Mm-hmm. No, I'm not moving to fucking London, Ontario. London in the UK, because my, my old man, he's from, uh, he's from the UK, so I got a British passport. I thought it'd be an easy place to live. Had a bit, bit of extra money saved up, so I thought I'd go travelling on the way. Never been to Canada, never experienced mountains and snow and all that, so I decided to come here. First stop after the 19-hour flight was Vancouver. I was supposed to be here for a week. Um, bought an old shitty snowboard, went snowboarding, fell in love with it. Um, was that the first time you'd ever seen snow? Not seen snow, but properly experienced it. I'd seen, like, shitty flurries on the ground that I picked up and pretended to throw snowballs with and stuff like that. But this is the proper... This was the proper experience. And uh, stayed here for six months on a visitor visa, which... I think is a little longer than you're supposed to stay potentially. Well, for anyway, sort of disclaimer, we'll we'll yeah. can, can we bleep that out? Russia, yeah. point of um, and then anyway, ended up getting a, uh, a visa here. I've seen out two of those visas and now have applied for permanent residency and just waiting for that to go through. So if everything checks out, um, then we're all good to go. Sweet. And who knows? That's it. And for those that don't know, uh, any listeners that may be born in Vancouver from Canada, the permanent residency process is really what helps us work and stay here without the need for a permit. So our permits have an expiry date the moment we enter the country. Once you're a permanent resident, those permits are no longer needed. So we're here coming and going as we please. Canada is the real base. And uh, very happy to say in 2017, I got my residency. So at the age, right old age of 30. No need to boast, mate. I'm, yeah, yeah. Because I've applied, I actually because my application is in I'm in a weird situation where I can't really leave the country so um, kind of feel a little bit trapped but I mean there's worse places in the world to be trapped and I suppose my selling point for the city was kind of similar to James it's we have the best of both worlds here like that's undeniable like we live in a city of like what two and a half million or something there's always things going on like that it's like a huge downtown area and then we're surrounded by ocean and mountains like honestly you can't get much bigger than that and also I don't want to be like the fact guy or the stats guy on no, this no no you're a resident but, um, scientist you already proved <laughs> yeah, this you right off this. the top you got it um, 
between seven and 10,000 Australians move to Canada every year. Every year. So um, I'm almost in the majority, and about 2,000 gain permanent residency every year. Right. That is insane. Most of them being in British Columbia. So I'm happy that James actually kind of defined the permanent residency process because I think that will be a pretty reoccurring theme. I think a lot more people become permanent residents than actually go all the way to citizenship here, yeah. unless I'm mistaken. Yeah. No, you're, you're right. You're right. Well, well, you only got permanent residency for five years, and then yeah. the only other way you can stay is by then getting your passport and becoming a citizen. Can yeah. you renew your permanent residency? Well, this, this is to expand on that. So you're a permanent resident indefinitely. You have to renew your card. So your status will never expire. It's right. the actual card that will expire every five years. Right. And we had a gentleman that we work with that uh, he's, I was speaking to him the other day, his name's Robin, and he's a permanent resident by choice. He's been here for at least 15 years, and he just didn't go for the citizenship. Wow. But you know something I looked into, and because my dad's English, so I have an English passport. Mm-hmm. I was born in Australia, so I have an Australian passport. And I thought, well, if I become an, a, a Canadian citizen, I'll get a Canadian passport. Can I hold all three at the same time? And you actually can. Yeah. Triple whammy. Something like fucking James Bourne or something. Yeah, that's know, like a full house. Having a full, Three passports. full safe load You go to passports. the airport, you're like, which one you want? And this is this is the lucky thing as well. So it's for me, got the British passport, which might not be that much of a good thing. It still says European Union on there, so there's an asterisk there. So it's about to be inaccurate. Uh, that's the third time that Jim has bought I'm so sorry. It up, so. I'm so sorry. Yeah, it's, uh, it's, bu- it's bubbling under the surface. Let's. Uh, we can say, man. He's not bitter about that so at all. Nah, not at all. Yeah, not so anyway, so that, but that's the thing. Permanent resident here. So soon to have a Canadian passport, so that'd be a triple, a double, sorry. Uh, my Australian girlfriend, who also, as an Australian citizen, you get your New Zealand free rights to mm-hmm. travel. So it'd be yep. quad yep. citizenship, essentially. So when the little ones come along, where do you want to live? Because for me, it's, again, I'm not going to bring Brexit up, guys, so you can continue. Eric, what are you got to say? Um, I'm just a little confused. Are you going to let your kids choose? <laughs> yeah, like, well, not in that. You know what yeah, I mean, though. I mean, I mean in terms of... Your kids aren't born with four passports. No, I, I know, I know, no, no. But you know what I mean? I mean, in terms of opportunities... <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> well, if they were born in Canada, they're, they're automatically Canadian. Their dad would be from England, and their mum's from Australia. So that's what I mean. It's, it's like pretty good. There's, pretty good. there's origins. I was I grew up they're lucky pretty lucky. Enough. Yeah. Well, I had it, uh, Europe on my doorstep. So when I grew up, I had many travels. You get on a train one to one place, and you can free travel. You can you know go and work without a permit. Now that's going to be changing. So for me mm-hmm. to think of my kids being born in England, I knew something was going to give in the future. So coming to somewhere like this and as Mikey said you've got the balance here the variety the magic time in April where you can be snowboarding down the mountain straight onto your mountain bike at the bottom then down to the beach and then you're in the forest and having a little bit of shopping to end the day so it's well rounded and well varied here so you mentioned you grew up in England right on the doorstep of Europe so oh, did yeah. you do a lot of travelling big time <laughs> so, so do you think your your proximity to Europe and being able to travelling kind of wanted you to explore well, a little I, bit more because was, I'm the uh, opposite. Okay. I'm from a very isolated place sure. and that's what made me explore. So no. it's almost very opposite things that almost created the same situation. Yeah, and we sat at the same table now. Exactly. Yeah. So the thing with me is I was lucky enough to go on school trips as a young kid. So I was sent out, yeah, my, my uh, with the school. We went to Italy on a ski trip. That was my what? first to snow. I know. Mate, that is classic Canterbury, yeah, isn't it? Yeah, Canterbury all the way, Italy mate. for a fucking field. <laughs> I know, right. So it's this big ski trip. We went special. to, like, the local aquarium yeah. for Hopped our down to the aquarium, mate. But, yeah, that's it. Like, Italy, though, a very special treat. Yeah. So that's the thing. These school trips come every other year. But that, traveling around Europe, you can go to Spain for so cheap when you're from England so yeah we had a lot of family holidays and that was when why did I have to go home this is the thing like we had kids crying on the school trips missing their parents missing their for me I was the kid with the eyes wide open why can't we stay out here and see a bit more of that Yeah, and that's what I had instilled in me from a very young age so going forward and then I flew the coop at 19 from England that was the Australia trip and uh, this guy I tell you just what a country Australia so, is. That's so. uh, alright. Yeah. Did, uh, er, Eric, did you always think that you would live outside of Kelowna or was it something later on? Well, or was it that yeah. that was never really something that struck me until I got a little bit older. I'm not saying Kelowna is a sheltered place, but Kelowna is a place that <laughs> is very much in acceptance in their you know, fourth place position is a nice place to live in just one province. Sure. And 
I would say that a lot of people who live there have that small town mentality of everything I have in this town is just good enough. Mm-hmm. And I think that from a pretty young age, um, I recognize that I wanted to live in a lot more than a small town where all people really did was drive their boats on the weekend. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. Like, you guys were talking about all these ski trips and nah. crazy places you went to. Not me. Like, James, this guy, no, James flexing his privilege. That's, that's, that's the Canterbury uh, boy right there. Oh, yeah. Come on now. Anyways, coming to Vancouver was a fucking field trip for me. Yeah. When I was in grade Absolutely. six, that was that was the grade six field trip. It was an overnight. And funny, you mentioned the aquarium. We got to spend a night at the Vancouver Aquarium. Mm-hmm. And, like, nice. sleeping right by the whales. Mm-hmm. And, uh, so that's better than Italy, yeah. isn't it? Whale of a time. Sure. Hey, uh, don't don't try and play, uh, don't try and play that well, down. Well, no, but you know, it's a twenty-four-hour hey. coach to get there, son. You know, it's not like we flew first class. It's you know, you're on a coach as a little kid, and a kid, just, kid mm-hmm. threw up on the bus, and he was known as Chucky for the rest of his life. <laughs> <laughs> like, that's that's, that's, kind of, that's what you're getting. I got punched in the face for calling him Chucky. Yeah. Actually, he helped me. He held me up against the wall in the Hard Rock Cafe. He punched me in the face because I called him Chucky because that's what everyone else is calling. I didn't even know his real name. <laughs> so sorry, Chucky, if you're listening. Is that a throwback to um, Rugrats? A little bit, could have been, yeah. Do you remember that, Eric? I love Rugrats. A bit before your time, is it? No. Ah, you know. No, I remember, I, I used to rent, like, the orange VHS tapes with yeah, Rugrats yeah, on it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. VHS still but strong. Eric, you got two brothers, and they have also moved away from Kelowna. So yeah. do you think it's in your genes, or is that just a regular thing for Kelowna people of your age to do, is to move out of that small-town vibe? Well, my my mom lived abroad. Um, she lived mm-hmm. in New Zealand for a year in 1980 to 1981. She uh, When God, she was 18. Sh- I don't even know if New Zealand had electricity then. <laughs> oh, in the 80s? <laughs> you would have to Google that. Yeah. Yeah. Pull out the stats. You want to pull out the New Zealand stats? I don't have. I don't have uh, internet that quickly. Yeah, but in, uh, oh, in 1980, there were 85 million sheep in New Zealand and a population of less than 10 million. Yeah, so eight to every yeah. one. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's eight to one sheep ratio. Oh man, in New Zealand. Uh, we're going to work on a sheep farm. We're going to keep it mature before any jokes are made. Yeah, yeah. we're going to strike that. Good, good call. Just cross that one out. As a no go. And I had a little question there. So, if you're from Kelowna, what's yeah. your uh, title there? We're Vancouver, right here in Vancouver. If you're from Kelowna, what are you? Douchebag. Colonialist. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. So you're a colonial. Douchebag. No, yeah. I haven't met a single douchebag from Kelowna. They've I've all never been, met a They've all been pretty nice. Well, you think, have you been to Kelowna? Uh, no, I haven't. Okay. So that's probably the point. There you go. Um, <laughs> don't they have a huge... Um, like women to men ratio, or am I getting mistaken from for some other town? Town, you're getting that mistaken with uh, Victoria. <laughs> oh, is it Victoria? That's Victoria out on the island. I think so. No way. Okay, you gotta get yeah. yourself out there, son. I don't really. Well, yeah, I do, but you know. <laughs> That's um, yeah. Anyway, yeah. We should talk about what is fully entailed in this podcast and what's going to come up. Yeah. Um, yeah. Every week or when we can find time to do it. And we're going to have a special guest on every week. Well, we're going to try it, right, Eric? Every week. Um, Yeah, we're going to... I'd say we can make a full-on commitment to once we start to roll these out, they are going to be weekly. Yeah. Is is my full intention for the podcast. If that means recording maybe two in one day or anything oh, like that. Yeah, I know. Big day. We'll yeah. see how we go. Yeah, nah. Yeah. Cracking the whip over there. <laughs> Cracking the whip. Yeah. Saw my pen too. Yeah, the big boss man. And obviously um, living in Vancouver, we know a lot of people that are from other parts of the world. We wouldn't and be so, doing this podcast otherwise. Absolutely. So we want to get them on and explore their ideas because... Yeah. I mean, and why not? It's such a huge yeah. part of this city and such a huge part of our world in general. Yeah. Like Maybe I said countries. off the top, the, play, the podcast about where people are from, how they got here, and what they're doing now. And we know people in, I'd say, nearly just about every field you can work in in Vancouver who have came here to do, work in that field mm-hmm. from another place. So Yeah, and it's a, lovely, uh, it's a lovely you know description there as well, but I will bring you back to the point where Eric's fascinated by me and Mikey, uh, fascinated from the fact we're not from here. They're really just test subjects. We're, just the, we're, we're, we're the in a case. Lab rats. Yeah, we're, we're lab rats right here, um, but lab rats are craft beer, so it's a potent combo. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. And what else, what, what else are we going to explore on the, uh, on the, pod, on the podcast? Well, 
we've got a list of topics that we're going to cover um, with the guests. You know, mm-hmm. they probably won't be every single topic mm-hmm. or every single segment every single week. But really, I think the ultimate goal of the podcast is just an exploration on what keeps people here because not every city in the world has this volume, Mikey ran down the stats at the top of the show, of people who've came here to... They're from you know, 2011, by the way, just to let you know, but uh, still relevant. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you didn't have to share that. He's a Scotsman at straw stat, but you know. You know. We'll I'm it. sure it's even more accurate now. Absolutely, absolutely. That's what I meant. More so. Well, I mean, yeah. So it, 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 is, um, it is a bit of a melting point, melting pot. Yeah. Point. We certainly don't. Going points is the name of the well, segment. Before, before we kind of get into all of that, why don't we talk about a little bit, did you find it was a trend in our respective home cities that people were coming from other parts of the world to live in Fremantle, Western Australia, or Canterbury, or nobody hmm. could afford to live no, there, let's be honest, yeah, yes. or Kelowna. Like, I hardly knew anybody who was, I knew... I went to high school with one British guy and his family who immigrated in the early 2000s, grade seven for me. Mm-hmm. And uh, they went straight they, to Kelowna, straight. That was straight there. there. Wow. But they'd taken ski trips and Weird stuff choice. like that. <laughs> well, I went. I went to a high school in near yeah, Fremantle, Western Australia, and like the ethnicity at the high school was Irish, Italian, um, a lot of Croatians. Um, and they had all immigrated. So you know, there was a place where Australia. people were. Absolutely. There's a lot of in there too. A lot of, lot of English, a lot yeah. of English. And I always thought it fascinating. I was like, wow, these kids at my high school, you know, they, they were in another country. Now they're living in another country on the other side of the world, like 14,000 kilometers away. Like, mm-hmm. how on earth are they ever surviving? And I remember it, it always intrigued me. And then my brother and sister are a lot older than me, and my brother ended up moving to Europe, to the Mediterranean, and then my sister moved to England, and um, I guess that was a bit of inspiration as well. My parents had done it, um, but definitely, I mean, Fremantle, where I'm from, is known as you know a bit of a bit of an area of immigrants, and I don't know, maybe in some subconscious way that actually gets into your psyche and you start thinking about living in other places bringing in other cultures because you know in in my group of friends not a lot like my group of friends that I went to high school with not a lot of them have lived overseas and I feel like you are kind of missing out on a lot Um, there's that old saying what is it travelling broadens broadens the mind or whatever I think living in another country, it broadens it even more, but it's sure. obviously hard to explain if you've never done it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I guess maybe growing up, seeing them, other people yeah. immigrate to Fremantle is what so potentially a, helped me. Do you it. had a pretty sure. global out, outlook. I think so. I think so. I mean, it's the one, yeah. it's, it's why Australians are su- such snobs when it comes to coffee because we've got such a big <laughs> Italian influence and <laughs> things like that. You got the real good yeah. stuff there. Yeah. Because traveling on a long-term basis was never really a factor to me growing up. New Zealand was always kind of this place my mom always talked about, you know, being, but it it never seemed realistic that I'd ever go there. And travel was always thought of as you go on a vacation for two weeks with your family, you come back, you show everybody your pictures, Mm -hmm. that's it. My family never even did that. We traveled a lot within British Columbia, which I think gave me a lot of appreciation for parts of the province that most people don't have. Mm -hmm. Um, Eastern British Columbia, which is considered the Kootenays, it's this mountain range just before the Rocky Mountains between BC and Alberta. I've been to probably every single little small town within that range because I have family members there. And in Northern British Columbia as well, all the, you know, the lakeside communities up there, all very kind of blue collar working, logging towns, welding towns, like those type of places, mining towns. Um, A lot of my family were in the mining industry. And so I think... Thinking broadly, I have an appreciation for living in these tiny remote places, Mm. even though where I was always drawn to happened to be the biggest city in the province, third biggest city in the country. Um, So I think, like, I have... Before moving to Vancouver, I literally never moved in my life, but family members 
mm. definitely had moved a lot within the province. Like, yeah. you know, they town hopped all yeah. over northern and eastern British Columbia. Yeah. I happen to land here, and I love it. And those town hoppers, do they come and visit you here as well? What are their thoughts on Vancouver? Are they happy where they are in the more remote sectors? There? Definitely. Yeah. Um, most of my family is pretty critical of this city. Thinking everything <laughs> is too expensive. Driving yeah. sucks. Uh, well, we, yeah. I mean, they got a good point. They got a good point. Let's yeah. Be honest, they but then we'll chat about how we cope with that. How you know our thoughts on that often universal point of such an expensive city to live. How do you deal with the traffic? How do you do this? We have our very own different ways of how we enjoy living here, and that tends to overrun those negative and yeah. that's air quotes there if you can't see uh, people deal with it mm-hmm. yeah we just we've well, got lovely you know how do you deal with it Mikey but it's, a, it's just a small price to pay for absolutely the yeah. city that you live in and yeah it's a mindset the, the listeners can't see the view that we're looking at but <laughs> um, if you could you would realise why we elect to to live here it's we'll phenomenal. post a photo of it yeah, yeah, it's, it's, it's photo worthy for sure. And did, this is a, did you have any family or friends, yeah. James, that you were inspired by? Well, it's actually a little bit different for me because when you talk about that, that you know you, you, how your parents and kids you saw come to other town to where you live from other towns. When I came back from travelling, so I was nineteen, went off to Australia. I had thirteen amazing months in Australia. When you were nineteen. I was nineteen. Yes, yeah. so young. So we had the van. We went to Melbourne. We bought the van. We wanted to see all of Australia. We were working here and there whether it was fruit picking the usual stuff you did fruit Perth? picking we went to Perth oh, we, uh, we had a great time but the thing is when I came back to England my dad told me and I remember this he said welcome back to the real world son and that really kicked me off because I was thinking well what dad I've just been out there to see the real world if, if you want to call it that and for me it just really was just 1% of everything I know the world has to offer so for me it really lit a fire under me why do we have to come back to square one welcome back to the real world what is the real world for me I was the guy looking out the window I wasn't going to be inside burying everything down of wanting to go and explore I wanted to come somewhere that just has this great balance and here we are in Vancouver and again the sun is fantastic out there and you guys can't see it but I'm feeling very fortunate right now I'll just tell you that that's correct. Yeah, hearing, hearing that after you've been traveling and then you get told, welcome back to the real world, yeah. that must be like a real kind yeah. of shock to hear that. Like, well, it was my dad, yeah, he was very uh, 1970s. Again, we're not going to get too family heavy here, folks. We're not going to go, not pull in at the well, heart it can, it can be kind of, <laughs> you know, like for me, every single member of my family mm. lived abroad before right. I did because I'm one of the youngest. And so you're that's Australia. that's really pushed me. You're out there on that yeah. isolated, you are. You, you talked about isolation. Mm-hmm. My girlfriend's from Australia. She's from Queensland, and Michael has been the first to tell you. So yeah, there you unlucky. go. It's unlucky uh, for sure. But uh, she tells me how her drive for travel was being on that rock. And again, you just hear these rock. Away. You just describe <laughs> Australia as a rock. I'm thinking of as rock. Uh, you don't all uh, live under that. But You're from uh, England, mate. You, I know. You sent all your convicts to paradise. How do you feel? You about got that? well. You know, yeah. you got a better deal than me. I tell you. Yeah. That, so. yeah. But uh, but no. This is why again you come back I love England it's where the heart is it's the go back I get feelings there I don't get elsewhere but for me it just wasn't enough and for me and that's no slight guessing that it's being here and just having that uh, when you're driven by nature you're driven by opportunity and I could have moved to London could have moved to Edinburgh there's lovely points throughout but uh, for me in Canterbury I'm actually from Herne Bay which is a seaside town that's a deep cut for some of your listeners Herne Bay is about 20 minutes from Canterbury by the sea so I feel moving away from the sea as long as I've got that in Vancouver here we've got the city when we want it we've got the ocean surrounding us and we've got those mountains and the mountains are where I spend most of my time good salesman for the mountains and nature absolutely Um, do you guys see each other living here for the rest of your life Eric well I know that's a bit of a heavy question but for the foreseeable foreseeable future foreseeably absolutely I can't picture myself wanting to live anywhere else except maybe that Rock that uh, Mikey affectionately. Uh, <laughs> okay, this isn't going to become a thing. Okay, we're not know, calling yeah, it a rock. I know, okay? but it's you a know. beautiful island paradise. Mikey has a pop at England. Any opportunity, so you know <laughs> yeah. that's no pop. I like rocks. You know, we're going to go. We're going to get into that. You know, great. yeah, sedimentary. I dig them. I dig rocks. Yeah, you got to love a good, good old rock. And yeah, part of me wants to go do the same thing that uh, both of you have done in another place. 
actually live abroad, you mean? Actually, you know, abroad, not yeah. definition number two. Earn my live status abroad. for the podcast. Yeah, that absolutely. Earn yeah. your days, spot so. on the earn your spot on the throne. Yeah, yeah. something like that. Uh, well, I mean, yeah, it's a crown I haven't earned, but uh, I've always said I've always said I would never live here permanently, and I've always been like, how yep. long have you been here? Uh, five, five years. Nah. <laughs> Only six. But I've always said, oh, I'll just spend one more winter. I'll just spend one more summer. I'll just spend one more winter. And it's been like that for five years. Yeah. And I don't know what it is. They put something in the water, cliche, but it's something that, like, just drags people here. It's just, yeah. it's it's unreal. Like, you walk down the street and you'll hear half a different, like, half a dozen different uh, languages or, or accents or anything like that. Mm-hmm. It just, it draws people here. Yeah. Um, and it's a beautiful so. thing. It's again, it's a, and it's a simple philosophy for me. I was in the UK, and you know, growing up, sometimes I felt ultra polite. And coming here, I know it's a very much a stereotype, but that whole philosophy of treat people how you like to be treated here, I really feel like it is reciprocated, and mm-hmm. that's been my philosophy. In England, you might be seen as being slightly odd in the little seaside town because you want to go out on your bike, or you want to go mountain biking, you want to get out there. Here, it's like, oh yeah, you know, throw in your Gore-Tex and let's get out there. Yeah. I mean, uh, there are a lot of differences from where we come from. I mean, we speak the same language. There are a lot of differences. But I think we'll definitely explore that no matter where you move to, there are a lot of differences. Like, uh, there are things every single day, even though we've been here for five, six years, that are just, like, super different and it still takes some uh, getting used to, that's for sure. And no matter how long you're here, yeah. you'll still never feel like a true Vancouverite. <laughs> no. <laughs> but that, yeah, that brings us into it. As I mean, you know, making a true Vancouverite, does that define us when we're born here? Eric is uh, from Kelowna, so he just up the road there. But yeah. we're all, I'd say, sat at this table looking out at those mountains. No, I'm a fake local for sure. <laughs> Yeah, we've all uh, we've all come to this city, and it's got us in its tractor beams, and it's very much uh, held us here. So, and that's in the best possible way. Yeah, we're we're very very fortunate here. And exactly, and I mean we've reiterated it probably three or four times now, but that's really the exploration we want to take on this podcast. And you obviously hear us being so grateful to live here, and we want to take that out of our guests and really figure out why. You know, they're so excited to live in this city as well because I'm sure a lot of other people have uh, very exciting stories on how they got here. Yeah, and Mikey, what were your first steps into the city? Where did you arrive? Which side of the city were you on? Which transport did you take? How did you get here? Via airport, mate. Believe it or not, there's no highways that go from Australia to uh, Canada. (laughs) No, believe it or not. No, but um, yeah, through the airport, and it was a rainy old day. It was. Valentine's Day and as I said what year? 2014 he's trying to blank it out but you know well I had just gone through a like a long term breakup yes and when you fly from the east coast of Australia to Canada you go across the international date line so you fly for 14 hours but only 2 hours of actual time pass so I actually had 2 Valentine's Day straight after a pretty significant breakup. So in the roommate. Um, but it was a dreary old classic February day here in Vancouver, but even that couldn't uh, couldn't get me down, to mm. be honest. So you know, um, first impressions. But yeah, I can't, I can't wait to explore other people's other people's thoughts about living abroad as, as we get them on and, and yeah, things like that. For sure. Yeah. yeah. It's just interesting how, what your first steps into the city were, because for me, coming from Iceland to Seattle, and then coming across the border on a greyhound, terrified I wouldn't get my work permit because you're grilled on A to Z. My first steps were off the Granville Skytrain. And for me, was, first of all, was how clean is this city? That was the first thought that struck me. I was a lover of Melbourne in Australia, and it really had shades of Melbourne. I then, hear that a lot. Yeah, it's got, that, it's got that feel. It's got the San Francisco feel. It's got a Melbourne feel. It's got a New Zealand feel. British Columbia as a whole, it's a real melting pot. And this is what's kept me here, really, is it's a melting pot of everything I've seen along the way in one amazing location with the beautiful, great people here. And again, not just blowing smoke up there. I'm genuinely very, very grateful to be here. And I think this is going to show on our little podcast over here. Yeah. And uh, to round that all off too, I remember I came here 
would have been just after Labor Day in 2015, so September, and it was a very sunny day, but I didn't arrive to Vancouver itself. I'm actually from a city called, or, well, or, I'm from Kelowna, fuck. <laughs> we but, yeah, wait, no, <laughs> did, didn't we establish that? What's yeah, going on? Yeah. You've just been lying this whole time? Yeah, yes, I have. Uh, no, I moved to a city called Burnaby, which is one city east of uh, Vancouver. It's where I was going to school, and it's... Uh, um, I moved to a bedroom suite of this crazy old woman whose house I only ended up living to. So uh, legal name? Yeah. Crazy old woman? Crazy old woman. Uh, for about a month. And then I moved out uh, immediately overnight to a place where I wound up living for about two and a half years after that. So, uh, yeah, my first impression of the city was, well, first of all, not my first impression because I'd been here multiple times before, but I was just really nervous for school, living in a brand new city for the first time ever, so I had no long-term experience. I hadn't even left North America at that point. So, I mean, I'm really just reiterating that I'm Uh, completely unqualified to be hosting this podcast, but my fear was uh, nervousness, and then my first experience once I lived here was after my mom had dropped me off at my place in Burnaby and everything like that was taking the train into the city for the first time to do stand-up comedy for the first time in Vancouver, which was something I did for a little while. Yeah, we'll get a bit of that in later episodes for Uh, stand-up. Yeah, 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 I... uh, Nope. But uh, (laughs) taking the train and then walking through (laughs) Vancouver's downtown east side to a pub called the Blarney Stone. Explain downtown east side of Vancouver. Well, the downtown east side is where all of the homeless people conglomerate in Vancouver. It's a byproduct of us being the only major city in Canada that stays warm enough throughout the winter in which homeless people can live outside year round. Mm-hmm. Um, it's also been severely impacted by the port industry in Vancouver, bringing a lot of opioids into the city that have taken a horrendous toll on the area, especially within the introduction of fentanyl. Thousands of people have lost their lives. For anybody who actually lives in Vancouver, this is not new information. This is a complete epidemic and a tragedy, but it's not a particularly dangerous part of Vancouver either. You can walk there in the middle of the night, walk a few extra blocks out of Gastown, and the worst thing that's going to happen is somebody's going to ask you for some money. So it um, it's not the most glamorous part of the city, but it is, you know, a reflection of how uh, not dangerous we really are either. Um God, that, that got deep real quick there. Yeah, talking. we took a dark turn. <laughs> like, uh, well, I'm not, I'm not just going to shit on an area dark, that a lot no. of people do. It's it's, dark turn on it's a cheap <laughs> shot that a lot of people choose to make about yeah, the city. Oh, that's where all the crackheads hang out. It's, hey, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a culturally significant mm-hmm. part of Vancouver now. It's been like Vancouver that since now. Absolutely. Absolutely. depression. Like, it's, it's part of our... It's, it's ingrained in Vancouverites downtown yeah. east side. Yeah. 100%. Skid Row, I mean, it's a common term in most major cities. R1 happens to be downtown east side. Yeah. It'll, it'll catch think, you off guard. But, and even yeah. for the three of us, when we get together for a drink, we enjoy going downtown east side to a couple yeah, of dive bars and having a beer because you actually bar. interact with some yeah. real... You're there with the community. Real good folks, the actual community yeah. on the and, ground. And these yeah. guys have got stories to tell. I mean, it's, it's I, I mean, the Lost Souls is probably a, a good term for a lot of them. It's like they've had backgrounds, they've had adventures old. they're older yeah, in their you know, 60s like so you'll be there in about yeah. five years time <laughs> yeah. say me too, it's this is not a tangent I thought we were going to go on can we yeah yeah uh, where are we going with we're this we're still here you know we're still going to get back on course steer us back on come course come on Mr. Dash get us back on course go on okay uh, walking through downtown Eastside, I did comedy at a pub called the Blarney Stone, and that open mic doesn't exist anymore. Anyways. But, you know, it's relevant. If anyone's yeah. coming to Vancouver and have a curiosity, you don't want to just find yourself in the When you walk Eastside. from Chinatown to Gastown, you're going to walk through an area that might freak you out at first, but just know you're safe. Exactly. For people not from the city. Moving on. We're going to cover some... Besides our, you know, interviews that will actually probably sound a little bit how we've been interviewing each other back and forth. Um, our, goal for the, our, our goal for the podcast is to generally have a fourth chair in-house, somebody that we know, whether they be, you know, kind of a friend of a friend, somebody we just know to have an interesting story. My girlfriend works with a lot of international people. I know you two certainly have a lot of international friends as well. 
Uh, these people are going to join us. We're going to do a long-form interview, and that's going to make up the bulk of the podcast. But then, after the interview kind of concludes, we are going to get into a rota- rotating, uh, rotating selection of segments that we've came up with. We'll probably do two or three each episode. Geez, we've got some good ones, mate. So, yeah. I mean, if you like puns, this is this is where it really yeah. is. Let's be oh, honest. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. Uh, the first one we have is, of course, you know, we've touched on it already. Vancouver's an expensive place to live, and moving to a brand new city can be costly, might uh, put you on the low end of the financial spectrum. And so we have a segment called Poor Communications. Um, basically, your most broke-ass stories you have, the stories where you've been on the down-and-out side of things, you know, digging through your couch, finding pennies to make rent that month, and then still having to feed yourself for the next five days. And, uh, you know, these could be tough situations, but they can also be pretty funny situations as well. And I think people do a lot of verbal gymnastics to try to... <laughs> Hide how uh, how broke they are from other people, but I think uh, more often than not, people have pe- situations of being in the poorhouse. Like personally, um, just as I was starting the job that I have now uh, in 2016, um, I was probably the brokest I've ever been. I was coming off my first year of school out here, and. I um, had about three weeks before the job was actually starting to put money in my pocket. I remember the first paycheck I ever got from our current job put uh, $136 in my bank account, which was the only $136 (laughs) besides maybe five or six bucks, and I had to make that last for, uh, yeah, um, for uh, two weeks in... uh, in this city and had to get an advance on my second paycheck just so I could have enough money to pay rent. Do they do that? They do. Oh, it's good to know. You got an advance. Anyway. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Good to know. Yeah. I mean, got a cash in on, okay. on this action. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah, they paid me in anticipation of hours I was going to work. Hmm. To, to clarify what the advance is for everybody. Yeah, um, that's not bad. Just in case you don't know what that means. Being really stressed <laughs> out You're not getting uh, free money. during the, no. the training phase when everyone was going for lunch or something and me being like, oh, you know, I brought lunch from home and then everyone's <laughs> eating this nice this lunch. Gourmet seafood. And then, um, <laughs> and then I'm sitting there and they're like, oh, where's the lunch you packed? And I'm like, uh, yeah. don't, even have, don't even have one. <laughs> But yeah, we've all got them stories, these uh, scrimping and saving just to get by. And what about uh, you? Well, for me, I remember I had a girlfriend come out to visit me out here, and I knew I was going to get paid the next day, but I had $20 in my bank account at the time. That's what I expected. It was actually more like 1956. So when I went out to get out $20 up the, the old ATM there, declined. And I'm trying to like hold face and not tell this girl that I've got less than $20 in my bank account. Um, so uh, I actually had to, uh, she went off and sat in the bar we were heading to. I ran out to the Scotiabank next door and asked to take out specifically $18. So I got $18 out, that paid for a couple of drinks and then we carried on. We killed time till midnight. That's when I got paid, so we were all good to go. But she never knew about that. So that was how far it got down to. I mean, once you get in your taxes and your rent and your bills and all that kind of stuff. and. Every time you get in somewhere, you take two steps back, and it's just the way of uh, you know making your way in a new city. So I was uh, very embarrassed about that, but I think I pulled it off, and I came back with my eighteen dollars yeah. and try not to let those coins jingle in the pocket. But uh, got just about got away. With it. That's about as poor as I got here. No, I definitely went on a few broadcast dates as well. I remember literally like checking the specific balance in my checkings account and being like. Okay, well, with these drinks plus the taxes plus mm. this, okay. Well, if I pay by debit, then I will, I will have <laughs> like less than a dollar left in my bank account. But yeah. we are, uh, we're going to be getting by. Well, that's it as well. And with uh, the UK, obviously the VAT or the taxes all added into the price you see on the shelves, the price you're paying at the at the till. For me, I remember my first meal here, very nice and nutritious. It was a foot long subway. I'm not going to dress it up. It was a foot long tuna on uh, whole wheat bread, and I had 
the exact change in my hand ready for the sandwich I looked up at the menu board it was ready to go when I get to the thing there the uh, the old teller they tell me it was you know about maybe a dollar fifty more than I had on there and that was my first dose of taxes that was me having the exact change in my hands and I didn't argue with it but I just looked up there and said oh isn't it uh, isn't it nine dollars and no it was the tax so that was another little adjustment I think people like me and Mikey we've had to now the the more you spend the bigger the tax and things like that tax is a way of our life now but uh, back then when you're still on your UK savings or in a new country and sometimes the the bank card won't let you take money out either that but we'll get onto that soon but Mikey what did you think of the taxes when you got here did you have I think Mikey's got a broken Uh, story yeah he's got some broken stories taxes are shit but I've definitely got a lot of (laughs) Yeah. Mate, oh God, how, how long is this segment? Because I could fill this out for a couple of hours. Yeah. Oh, you can um, share some on later episodes. What's one? Well, a bit of a preamble to me moving to Canada is that I um, I went to Europe for about six weeks beforehand, going through Scandinavia, Russia, eastern parts of Europe, things like that. And I did spend a lot of money. And... When I went travelling, my dad, who had done a lot of travelling beforehand, told me a good little travelling tip, and that was that you cut a little slit in your waistband, on the inside of your waistband, and you just roll up a $20 note, and you slide that in, and in that way, if you get super drunk one night, and you end up in the middle of nowhere, and you need to get a cab, or if you just need some like extra money, you've always got it, like put it in your main travelling pants. So I did that, especially because I was gone through Russia. I was a bit nervous about doing that. So I had like, well, I had 20 euros shoved in there from, from when I was in um, like Germany, I think, just, just a week beforehand. And then I came back to Vancouver. A couple of months here, became very poor very quickly. And um, I remember one, one morning I got up and I was putting my jeans on, about to have another Migo rang meal, you know them. What are they like? Forty five cents for a Migo rang packet of noodles or whatever it is. Yeah. You know the two two minute noodles, and put it on. And I like I feel something in my waistband, and I'd completely forgotten that I'd hit twenty euros up there. So I grabbed it and I quickly raced down to the foreign foreign exchange place and I exchanged the twenty euros for however many Canadian it was. And I managed to live off that for, like, the next week until I got my next paycheck. So, wow. I mean, that money was designed for me to live off when I was stuck in Europe somewhere. So but it somehow managed to uh, to serve me once I, once I got to Canada. But um, certainly a lot of other stories um, for, for the uh, poor communication segment that I guess we'll delve into. I know our... our uh, a lot of our, um, a lot of our uh, folks that we're going to be having on, we're going to have a lot of good stories as well. Yeah. So I know you guys, uh, James, started to touch on, you know, the taxes being an adjustment period. But that's another segment we want to get into is same, same but different. Um, mm-hmm. That one is just like how it sounds. You know, little things like the taxes at the grocery store that mm-hmm. are different because Canada is not straightforward with how much things cost it all scales up based on how much you spend being one prime example but uh, yeah we want to talk about some of the little differences Um, another one is uh, kind of relates back to being broke but another big factor in backpacking is you're staying in a lot of hostels I know James for example you're probably both of you your first experiences in Vancouver were staying in hostels also, I should mention that Eric is saying hostel for anybody not from North America. Yeah, Mikey's saying hostel for do, anyone do that's... Do uh, pronounce it. Uh, uh, from that big rock. Yeah. That we yeah. I mean, I'll say... Jim, what do you say? I'll say hostel. Oh, really? Yeah, hostel Maybe is very just, much Australian. Because that's what we're getting says. a little hostel with each other. Uh, <laughs> well, it's a hostel to- takeover. That rounds us nicely onto this next Yeah, yeah. yeah. hostel takeover. Yeah. So yeah, with the puns there. Crazy it's, hostel stories. I mean, oftentimes they're dank, they're dirty, but hostels are like the switchboard of a city. I think that there's no better way to get to know a city than in a hostel where people are trying to save the most amount of money to do the most extravagant things in aforementioned cities. I think that people in a hostel have their finger on the pulse more so than any other 
travel situation, any hotel, any Airbnb you want to stay at in the city? 100%, mate. 100%. I I stayed at a hostel downtown for the first two weeks that I was here. Yeah. And there's a bar that's attached to it on the ground level, and that's actually still my local. Five years later, I like to go there. I have the same Same bar attendants up from from five years. Yeah, shout out to the same son hostel. Oh, yeah. And it's great just to communicate with other people that are just moving here, other tourists and things like that. And you're right, it is the real, it's the pulse of the city, yeah. having these tourists and people that have just moved here. And you get a good sense of, well, it can kind of bring you back to reality sometimes. Oh, about yeah. what the but city's it's not like about. the heartbeat pulse you feel on your wrist. It's like the pulse that you can weirdly find like behind your ear or something like that <laughs> if you're not really looking for it. Yeah, well, sometimes yeah. in your chest once you realize that you got $10 to last you for the next week. But yeah, well, that kind of get you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah well, a lot of different kind of pulses, but we're going to get people to tell their crazy hostel stories, their crazy hostel experiences, yeah. and potentially rank some of the hostels in Vancouver. We're hoping to get a definitive list of the best. Uh, I'm going to be biased, but um, we'll try and do that. Well, yeah. Sure. Well, Marky, Mikey was very much it. Marky, Mark. Uh, Mikey was very much in the same uh, the party hostel, uh, should we say? Which so the hostel I was staying at that was right opposite Mikey's one. That was where we all kind of went into in the evening. So the very first pint I had in Canada was in that very bar, and I can uh, yeah, I can vouch well, for it. Mate. Yeah, we're still Good there, job. and yeah, I mean, yeah, we're going to talk a little bit about uh, tattoos at some point. But I did get a tattoo to my permanent residency which I got right next to that very hostel wow. and uh, I went in and had a bar while I was waiting uh, a pint in the bar while I was waiting for my uh, call up and it was a nice little full circle moment of this is where we started and this is now I'm getting my permanent Side residency Side note, are you not, aren't you supposed to not drink like 8 hours before you have a There's probably tattoo. a bit of that too uh, but you know one pint I didn't get anything yeah, told uh, I didn't get told off, my first tattoo was in Thailand where I was pissed as a fart when I got it so I don't think I got the memo uh, on drunk Wait, did you tattoos. go back to that expression you just said pissed as a fart is that, is that not said in Canada I've never See? heard that we're, just, we're yeah. discovering well, things right here pissed as a fart let's dissect it that's a fairly regular yeah. with a Canadian accent that just sounds so bad okay I'll try Eric, uh, go Eric you go for it pissed as a fart yeah not, not good man <laughs> I was going to say yeah, I was pissed as a fart pissed as a fart at his hostel man you and sound I, Scottish I know yeah. Irish. Very, there's, a, there's an Irish twinge a bit Scottish please but, don't but that's a pretty regular pretty regular saying we might bring that Things like that up in uh, yeah. same same but different later on uh, yeah. in the episodes. What else? What else are we? What else are we looking for? We, we just got the episodes. selling point to the city. I mean, again, we've you know, Whoa. we've uh, we've uh, motivated people to live here enough. We've sucked mm. Vancouver's dick enough already. Excellent. But uh, we want to we want to see other people. I mean, we've been the ultimate um, salesman for Vancouver for oh, real. Yeah. But we want to see why other people want to live that. here. But it might not be that. Some people are white. Some people just have a selling point to move away. It doesn't oh, yeah. matter where it is. It might not even be Vancouver. It could be fucking Baghdad. But you just want to get away from where you are. And yeah. that could be a selling point as well. We definitely want to ask for that. Well, I want to talk about something as well. Like, so that that's a good point, Mikey. I mean, it's whatever floats your boat. For mm-hmm. me, it's more of a feeling. It's like when people say to me, why Vancouver? For me, when I'm looking at those mountains, I feel at peace. And this is what I felt when I came to Canada. Something just clicked within me. It's not even anything I can put into words. It's how I feel when I'm in this country. It's how I feel when I'm in Vancouver. And whether that's a... I don't know, coming full circle moment is meant to be. This is how I feel here. Sometimes you just can't put into words uh, how I feel in this place. I don't know if that's the same for you guys. Yeah, I felt boredom. <laughs> Did you? Fair enough. A little bit. Yeah. Yeah. That definitely added to well, it. Well, I guess I came with my skateboard under sure. my arm. So for me, it's like, oh my God, look at all this amazing skateboard. So I, I had like that kind of input and saw the skateboard side and that was just one little underbelly, but that's... Uh, you know, that was my in to the city. That was that was my first few acts of Vancouverite kindness too. I snapped a skateboard. A guy said, "Hey man, I got one in my trunk," and I was like, "How much do you want for it?" it was no, nothing. And that was my first. What's the catch here? Well, it's going to take me behind. So polite, I know. Makes it, it makes, makes bloody sick, it? So you're thinking, what's the catch? And that's how I've been conditioned. I've been conditioned. You know, don't trust anyone. DTA, and that was my travel philosophy. And here, I just kind of like I think I mellowed out a little and started to accept people to do good things and I don't know if that's uh, isolated to here but that was yeah very yeah. much my experience yeah my first thing was through stand up comedy and staying till all hours of the night in little bars and random corners of the city with 
30 people who want to do the same thing waiting three hours for a five-minute slot at an open mic to get no laughs to an audience of comedians. And How'd that feel? Do it again. How'd that feel in your little soul there? Felt great. Yeah. <laughs> I was doing what I loved. Yeah. Love so not me. That's, that's yeah. what it's all about. But, uh, yeah. And Mikey was bored. And I was bored, so I just Not decided bored. to move to cool. another country. I mean, why not? Well, Give I think that's a good wrapping up point for the first episode, everyone. Um, we got an idea. We ran down some of the segments. Some of them will come up a little bit more organically. I think some of the other guys, some of the guys have ideas for things they want to introduce. But um, as it seems right now, I think we've done a pretty good idea of getting across what we want the podcast to be and what you're going to hear moving forward. I think they're going to be a little bit more tighter moving forward. Hopefully a little bit better audio quality as we get our equipment in order. But for this episode of Living a Broadcast, I've been Eric. I've been James. Mikey. Thanks for listening.